Hello, you're listening to Earth Matters, produced in the studios of 3CR Radio Fitzroy, Victoria, on the lands of the Wurundjeri, and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Earth Matters, we bring you environment and social justice stories. I'm Kerry Lee Harding. This week on the program, we celebrate International Day of People with a Disability, and we take you inside a discussion of disability and climate change. Coming up now for you from the mob from Freedsill. They're a disability activist group based in Nevada, US of A, and they make a deadly radio show called Disability Rap. And here it is. Thank you for tuning in to Disability Rap. Today, we're going to be talking um, on today's show, we're going to be talking about the intersection of disability, climate change, and natural disasters. With the recent hurricanes devastating southern states, Puerto Rico, and the Caribbean, the effects of climate change have been hitting closer and closer to home. Here in our area, fires are a huge risk, and so is flooding, as we saw at the Oroville Dam uh, earlier this year. So what happens to people with disabilities and older adults during evacuations and natural disasters? Where do they go? Are emergency shelters wheelchair accessible and equipped to house people with disabilities and meet their needs? How do people who won't drive or who rely on the public transportation evacuation during emergencies evacuate? And what happens to people who rely on personal care attendants if their attendants can't go with them? There have been disturbing reports of people with disabilities and older adults not being able to leave evacuated areas and being told to shelter in place, both here in California and in the areas hit by the hurricanes. Other reports suggest that people with disabilities are being forced to go to special shelters and are being separated from family members, loved ones, and support systems. So I'd like to begin uh, by listening to a headline from Democracy Now!, on September 15th. Let's see if we can get that to work. This is very tragic. It's very sad. Many of us have loved ones and assisted living facilities, and we expect that care to be there uh, for those people. We immediately started a criminal investigation into this matter and made sure that everyone was evacuated, and we took control of the entire building uh, immediately thereafter. A tragedy in Florida. Eight elderly residents are found dead after they languished without air conditioning and sweltering conditions during Hurricane Irma. They died even though a hospital, a level one trauma center was located across the street. So that, again, was a headline from Democracy Now! on September 15th. The, verse, the first voice you heard was Thomas Sanchez, police chief of Hollywood, Florida, talking about the tragedy at Hollywood Hills Rehabilitation Center when nine residents died in sweltering temperatures after electricity and air conditioning shut off during Hurricane Irma. Their nursing home is now under investigation. We're joined by Brian Snyder, a Nevada city native and citizen concerned with climate change, emergency preparedness, and disability. We've had Brian on the show before. It's been been quite a few years um, talking about disability, his disability, Usher syndrome. He recently wrote a piece for Fresno Alliance entitled Disabled by Consumer Culture and Dignified Paths to Our Fullest Potential. In it, he connects capitalism, climate change, and disability. He's also a member of the Nevada County Green Party and is part of forming the Green Party's Disability Caucus. So I'd like to welcome you, uh, Brian, to the show. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here on Disability Wrap. 
Wonderful. And on the line from the Ed Roberts campus in Berkeley, we're joined by Alex Guinness. Alex is a policy and research specialist at the World Institute on Disability. He is currently managing the new disability, the New Earth Disability Project, which addresses how climate change is affecting people with disabilities and how communities can prepare. He is deeply committed to disability rights, environmental justice, and sustainability. Welcome to the show, uh, Alex. Yeah, thank you for having me. Wonderful. So, Alex, I really would like to start this discussion on climate change and disability with you. Um, Talk to us a little bit first about yourself and uh, the World Institute on Disability. Um, Well, so my my situation is kind of interesting how the flow all happened to bring me to this is that uh, when I was in college, I started out looking at disability rights and then saw climate change as a major up-and-coming issue, uh, and that wasn't being addressed enough. Started focusing on the need to not only reduce emissions, but also prepare for what was on the way, because no matter how much we reduce our emissions, there are going to be changes coming up in the future. Uh, and we need to simply prepare for them. When I got out of college, I was focusing on uh, renewable energy and energy storage to uh, basically make it so that if you have solar panels on a partly cloudy day, you can run the lights however you want them. After a while, I realized that myself as as somebody with a disability, I have a spinal cord injury and I've had one since uh, uh, for 13 years now, am so vulnerable to any of these changes. If the electric grid goes down, which actually there's a danger there with climate change, uh, all of a sudden I can't charge my wheelchair. I realized how vulnerable this was. And then uh, after leaving kind of the the a little bit too fast-paced consulting uh, world, I started working on this New Earth Disability Project. New Earth Disability, uh, when it started out, it looked at, number one, climate change and climate change preparation, as well as what will happen as simply the world transforms, as our resources transform, uh, things along those lines. So I started that and then uh, joined the team over here at the World Institute on Disability which is a research and, um, and kind of policy firm that uh, so far has done a lot of work on employment, independent living, financial empowerment, things along those lines, and independent living, personal success in general. And we saw this as a very important factor in that and now have made it a part of our work. Wonderful. Um, I mean, both, you know, great background um, experience and then your own personal experience sounds like led you to kind of bring this issue of climate change and disability together. Alex, you know, I've talked to a couple of people about the show today and people go, huh? Climate change, disability. I don't think it's a natural progression of people to see the linkage between the two. So hopefully on today's show, we'll help to make that link for the listeners. Um, But first, Alex, I'd like you to just start with kind of climate change. Set the stage for us. I mean, we all have heard of climate change. We've talked about it. But, you know, help help us, uh, you know, set the stage of how we're going to move this into the disability conversation. Well, yeah, it definitely... uh, I've gotten the same response is 
when I talk about climate change and disability is people go, huh? And then also the response is, huh? Oh, wow, yes, that does seem important. <laughs> Tell me more, because it, it's it's really important. It's something that people haven't thought about it, but even mentioning it kind of sparks a light bulb uh, in people's minds. So in terms of climate change, uh, the basics of it is that the Earth runs at a certain temperature. Temperatures have changed throughout history, and what scientists have found is that's usually uh, connected to the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Uh, carbon dioxide is something that kind of acts as a blanket, keeps the Earth warm, and the more that you have in the atmosphere, the warmer the Earth becomes. And what we've done since uh, the 1870s, when we started discovering the usefulness of coal uh, to create electricity, is just pump out, burn fossil fuels, and pump out more and more and more of this carbon dioxide. And it's making the Earth warmer. And then what comes out of that are a bunch of consequences, such as stronger storms, uh, uh, more frequent and stronger storms. Uh, such as kind of the hurricanes that we've been seeing, drought, which California is absolutely familiar with, um, and then uh, some other kind of secondary consequences of that. If you have drought, you have dying trees, and you have forest fires, which we've seen a lot of this year. And going one step further, then, that impacts humanity. If you have storms, that can impact health, uh, that can impact the economy, that can endanger people's well-being, and uh, kind of the list goes on. So it's something that we're facing. And I guess the final point is that a lot of people say, okay, we need to stop this. We mm -hmm. need to install renewable energy. We'll do a bunch of it, and then everything will be okay. And the reality is that there will be change, and uh, we need to start getting ready. And I always say be on the side of caution, and that's especially important for people with disabilities. And so, you know, both on a personal side of preparedness, thinking about how this might impact you as an individual, but also there's also a systemic issue to this, not just on how do we, you know, um, prevent the negative impacts of climate change, but how do we prepare as a society, as a community, and then as an individual to deal with this changing environment? Um, Alex, I'm also a person with a disability. And, you know, the more I think about this issue, there are so many ways that I am so dependent on the current system. I mean, just imagine even, uh, like you mentioned, Alex, with the power going out for an extended period of time. And if you're reliant on that power for your oxygen, if you have an oxygen machine, or uh, for your power wheelchair to be able to charge, um, the impacts uh, become real really quick and um, are, are difficult. Um, so you've talked about health. Um, and is there anything else you'd like to say kind of on the disability side of connecting climate change to disability? Well, uh, yeah, absolutely. First of all, I think that everything that you mentioned is important. And there are, uh, I've, I've given a few presentations on this, and I know that you watched the one that we have online um, uh, on our website, uh, which is wid.org slash NED, uh, which is WID and then the New Earth Disability. But uh, there's so many factors. Uh, sea level rise and uh, people being displaced by storms, then they might have to move. And if you have to move, I'm thinking about 
how do I keep Medi-Cal if I have to move to another county? Um, because all of a sudden there's some natural disaster over here or there might be somebody else in the Bay Area living right near the shoreline. And as sea levels rise over and over again uh, or gradually, then all of a sudden they might have to move as well. Uh, there's migration where actually we've seen uh, uh, it already starting to happen. People in low-lying island states or I was just looking earlier today at uh, when there's drought and people have to move to cities or find new jobs. And that's very difficult for people with disabilities to move. That's very difficult uh, for, uh, uh, for them to maintain kind of their social support networks. And there is ableism. There's a lot of discrimination uh, even at borders where sometimes people with disabilities will be explicitly turned away. So that's something that we're really concerned about as well. Um, uh, definitely the natural disaster piece. Uh, you know, there's a lot of work. Uh, um, there's a great organization, Port Light Strategies, uh, that is focusing on supporting people with disabilities. They've been on the ground in Puerto Rico uh, and helping to distribute fuel because um, for generators, for people with disabilities, um, as well as uh, the Red Cross has been making uh, a larger effort uh, to respond to these natural disasters. Uh, but you, know, you were mentioning um, the electricity. One of the things that I've even thought about is, okay, if there's sea level rise, all of the ports here in uh, the Bay Area, I live in Berkeley, and there's the Port of Oakland uh, just right over here. If I have wheelchair parts and they are coming through a port that's located at sea level, and all of a sudden that port gets flooded, you know, any of these medical supplies, uh, it's really can create a cascading set of problems. Absolutely. What, uh, sorry, it, I, I guess, one, sorry to cut you off. One more point is that the climate change community has it. They focus on climate change as something that causes disability. And they quantify it as a health thing. They say that climate change will lead to a certain amount of disability-adjusted life years where they look at us and they say, oh, your body is broken to a certain extent. We're going to say there's going to be, create, be a creation of disability due to drought or incoming disease or just injuries. But they don't focus on how to protect us as a community. Uh, and it's starting to change, but uh, it's something we're trying to raise awareness about. Wow. Thank you, Alex. That just blew my mind because I had not even, I didn't understand that perspective. That's kind of, I'm hearing that for the first time. You're listening to Earth Matters, broadcast on the Community Radio Network with me, Kerry Lee Harding. And you're listening to International Day of People with Disability broadcast, a discussion on climate change and disability from Disability Rap, a show produced by the Mobbit Freed Sill, a disability activist group based in Nevada in the US of A. So I want to move over to talk about some of the current natural disasters that have been happening. And I'm going to take a moment here. Um, I have a short clip from NPR's Morning Edition, February 13th, 2017, talking about having to leave disabled family members behind during the Oroville evacuation. Uh, so let's see, uh, let's listen in to that. Like I said, there were a lot of uh, confused and, and scared people 
One of the people I talked to was Marilyn McKinney. She was there with a family group. Um, her son said leaving town looked like uh, a zombie apocalypse with everybody uh, running around. But, you know, it was, it was uh, very anxious for them because they had to leave somebody behind, and that's what she told me about. My daughter-in-law is still there with her sister, who is uh, is bedridden, but we've got her in a wheelchair. They were supposed to be sending an ambulance or someone to help transport her out, and nobody has shown up for her yet. She called 911, and 911 said that they weren't sending anybody else out. Alex, what is your response to that clip from NPR's Morning Edition on February 13, 2017? Well, uh, it's certainly disturbing. And my colleague, Marsha, and I, we went to a summit called the Getting It Right Summit, uh, which was over in Sacramento. And it focused on a lot of the natural disasters that have happened in California um, and especially on Orville Dam, and we saw some of those stories, and it was just heartbreaking. And uh, knowing that disaster response, especially with something so unexpected and urgent as an extreme storm or really the Orville Dam disaster was partly due to climate change, uh, needs a lot more focus. And one of the things is that uh, natural disasters when people think about climate change, often they think about these natural disasters. And I think that uh, as heartbreaking as that was, it does provide a very visual, um, uh, uh, important example for people to build off of, point to, and say, this is something that we absolutely need to fix. Absolutely. You know, and, you know, Alex, I was at the Getting It Right conference with you, and I think that's the first time um, you and I met. Um, and, you know, our experience with Oroville Dam working with Freed Center for Independent Living is, you know, it was people with disabilities. It was older adults that were the individuals left behind. Uh, Katie Willis was just one of those individuals that we heard from at that conference and actually came on Disability Wrap a couple months ago to talk about her experience. Um, so it is often those that have um, barriers maybe to transportation, uh, chronic health issues, uh, significant disabilities that are the ones left behind. And this is not a new conversation. This conversation um, has been happening for, for many years. I mean, we can look back to Hurricane Katrina, and actually I'd like to um, do a little clip from uh, getting uh, the right to be rescued from 2015, a Rooted and Right short documentary talking about a friend who was left to drown during Hurricane Katrina. The police told Benny that they would take her to the Superdome. They did not want to take her wheelchair or her physical assistant. She physically could not have gotten by without the help of someone and without her wheelchair. She couldn't, she couldn't have made it. Storm passed. Everything seemed okay. I called and she let out a huge sigh of relief. And we started talking and just kind of relaxing. Then all of a sudden, she said that she heard something. She goes, wait, I hear something. And she goes, oh my God, water's coming in. And I could just hear this panic in her voice. And then all of a sudden, the phone line 
cut out. I tried calling on her cell phone. I tried all during the day, and I could not get through. Her physical assistant called here and said when she last left her, she was in water up to her neck. And then he handed her her cell phone and her address book and said, call Pam, call the others, and tell them I'm dead. There's no reason for two of us to drown. So that was a clip from um, The Right to be Rescued, a Rooted and Right short documentary talking about a friend who was left to drown during Hurricane Katrina. So... Alex, um, I think um, we definitely can make this connection between climate change and disability as being a very real issue for our community, for your community, uh, for people with disabilities. And um, where do we go from here, Alex? How do we help elevate this conversation so that we aren't relearning the same um, lessons time and time again that we learned from Hurricane Katrina, that we learned from the Oroville Dam incident, and that we learned most recently from the hurricanes, um, including the residents that um, uh, perished in uh, the Hollywood Rehab Center. Alex, where do we go from here? You know, uh, there are several things, and it really all needs to be connected together is first of all we are facing a time right now where there is this opposition to science or even believing in climate change uh, at the highest levels and that comes from not wanting to reduce emissions but really then what it moves toward is not even recognizing or looking at or preparing for what might be on the way so here in the united states we have to absolutely push for that dialogue. Uh, we need to bring people with disabilities into the not only the list of vulnerable groups, but to make people realize kind of that there is more to this than just the word disability in a list of vulnerable groups. What we've seen uh, over here is that any document that looks at the vulnerability or uh, climate change impacts will simply say uh, that this so-and-so impact will affect everybody, but especially vulnerable groups, including women, children, the elderly, the disabled, period, as opposed to recognizing the diversity of our community. So it's number one, recognizing climate change, raising the awareness about it. Number two, keeping on pushing for adaptation and preparation, not just uh, you know, uh, minimizing emissions. Number three, understanding the impact on the disability community, raising awareness about that and actually bringing it into the discussion, especially with potential climate allies. I think, uh, as I was mentioning, mm-hmm. climate change scientists and then Uh, say, green advocates, if you want to call them that, don't really recognize disability in the way that we need to be recognized. We're a consequence, but not uh, a community that needs to be recognized and helped and really engaged in the process. And then on the flip side, educating people with disabilities about this, and our community has had so much success and so much passion about 
uh, civil rights and disability rights movements in the past that if we can create a disability-focused climate justice uh, kind of coalition and movement, then that's really powerful with a lot of potential as well. Absolutely. Thank you. And we're going to come back to the same question, but I would like to introduce our second guest. Actually, yes. you know, I'd, I'd like to ask a question really yeah. quick. Yeah. Alex, um, I, we all have a family member that, you know, denies climate change in one form or another or, or a friend or mm-hmm. whatnot. My question to you is how do you personally begin nonviolent di- dialogues about discussing this issue? Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> well, I think actually, uh, you know, a really a really basic understanding of the science behind it can be more valuable than explaining what the solution is. Does that make sense? Is that if people are kind of, uh, and, and this has been built up, is that, oh, climate change then creates policies or a movement that threatens me. Uh, that threatens my job because I'm invested in coal or, you know, other other things, and this is due to American strength. And knowing, okay, here's the whole idea of carbon dioxide as a blanket on the earth, and, uh, and here are the consequences when things get warmer, and having a really sit-down, calm conversation about what that is and how it means, uh, how it means, uh, uh, what it means and the effect of it, can be uh, a really powerful first sit-down. But also thinking about, for example, people are opposing climate change or any sort of movement because they say, oh, it's going to take away jobs, Uh, that having a retort to that and say, actually, we have the opportunity for green jobs because look at how much has uh, been built over time uh, in terms of new wind installation, new solar installation. These are huge growing industries. You've been listening to Earth Matters, broadcast on the Community Radio Network with me, Kerry Lee Harding. And today on the program, you've been listening to a very special Earth Matters broadcast celebrating International Day of People with a Disability. Today on Earth Matters, you heard audio from Disability Rap, a discussion on climate change and disability, produced by Freed Sill, a disability activist group based in Nevada, US of A. Earth Matters is produced in the studios of 3CR in Fitzroy, Victoria, on the lands of the Wurundjeri and is broadcast across the country on community radio stations thanks to the Community Radio Network. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Federation for their generous financial support. And if you'd like to get in touch with us mob, you can email us at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or visit our Facebook page, Earth Matters 3CR Radio. You can also follow us on Twitter at EarthM Radio. If you'd like to listen or share this or previous editions of the show, you can find all of our Earth Matters podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash earthmatters. Well, that's all for today. Thanks so much for your company this week. And the Earth Matters team will be back again next week with more Deadly Green social justice news from all over this deadly planet. I'm Kerry Lee Harding, and I'll see you next time.